Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The uh, 49ers touchdown did not count, so it's 7-3. Green Bay leading San Francisco now into the second quarter. We'll keep you updated on that one Thursday night football. Of course, not a lot of scores to report these days, but we will have some action in rinks around Alberta. Well, we already have some, and there are some junior B leagues going, but the Alberta Junior Hockey League regular season is going to start next weekend. And one of the gentlemen who will be coaching, something he loves to do, he's been doing it a long time. In fact, so long, he's the winningest coach in AJHL history, a man I've known for over 20 years. It is Gord Thibodeau checking in from Fort Mac. Gord, how's it going, man? It's going very well. Lots of snow up here in Fort Mac, so winter's upon us. Oh, you've been hit already, have you? Yeah, we had a good good little dump, uh, you know, probably six inches here today, so uh, it's uh, it's fun. <laughs> tell, me, uh, tell me what you guys have been doing, who you've been playing through this exhibition season where you've been able to practice and get some games in to stay sharp. Uh, we started exhibition against Bonneville. We had six games against them. They were our cohort group in early October, um, virtually till uh, kind of the third week in October. And then uh, we had a couple games in Grand Prairie. And then um, we've got two games scheduled with Spurs Grove this weekend. And then that concludes the uh, the exhibition portion of the development season. And, and we get to start uh, regular season if, if everything goes according to plan uh, next Friday. Uh, now, is the schedule set already, or are we still waiting for that? Uh, we're still waiting for that. Uh, there's a preliminary copy, I believe, out today for teams to look at, and I, I think they're hoping to, you know, to have a release here um, probably in the next three to four days. Okay. Uh, and do you know how many games you're going to get in? No, I don't. Uh, you know, that's something that's still being determined uh, through the governors and uh, through the league personnel. Um, you know, I, I think everyone's hopeful for somewhere between 30 and 40, but... Um, you know, we'll we'll see what uh, COVID allows us to get in. Okay, what what's this been like for you? I mean, you you love coaching, you love competing, and you're still kind of doing that. But I I can't imagine it feels the same as what you've you're usually doing at this time of year. No, it's been different. I mean, it's been different for everybody, right? Uh, you know, the whole world's had to adjust uh, to to some uncertain times, and I think probably you know, as coaches, it's it's changed. Um, the way we do business, certainly, but, uh, you know, we're more concerned about the effect it's had on the kids. Um, you know, at, at this age, you know, the 16 to 20 year old age, we're very concerned about, you know, the toll it takes on them mentally, um, you know, to number one, they don't get to play the game they love. Um, you know, uh, these kids are, have grown up playing hockey, uh, virtually 10, 11 months of the year, and, um, to have that taken away for a little while. And then the fact that they go into development and you're practicing all the time, it's difficult on them. So that's probably been the biggest thing is trying to find ways to alleviate their boredom, their stress, and, and their you know their mental concerns about 
about having a season. So it's taken a different path, but, um, you know, you learn, you adapt, and uh, you find ways. And I think uh, we've been fortunate to be able to do that. Jake Neighbors from the Oil Kings has been loaned to the Brooks Bandits. I, I believe it was the old Grizzlies, though, that came out and said we're not going to add any Western Hockey League players. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. Are you guys adding any, any WHL players for probably a short term here? Yeah, we are. It's, it's been a difficult thing to, you know, to look at. Uh, obviously, there's concern about where kids are going to play and are these Western Leaguers going to filter back and take jobs and um, you're concerned about that, but what we decided as an organization, we have three kids, um, you know, Billy Sowa, Brendan Cooney, and, and Nick McCary, all three kids that are, um, you know, the junior A rights rest with Fort McMurray. They're all guys that are going to go, or, or, you know, next case, he's been in the Western League, and Billy and Brendan have both played games, and, you know, we expect them all to be playing in the Western League this year, but... You know, we wanted to bring them in to give them an opportunity to, to work on their development also. And if it helps them, they're all property of the oil barons. And we want to make sure that, you know, we got in this to develop hockey players. Uh, we didn't strictly say they were all going to be Alberta junior players. So we're going to do our best to help those three individuals. Um, you know, we feel that we owe that to, to guys that have, you know, that have uh, played here in the past or rights are held here. So... We did take those three. We are not going to look at taking any other Western League players, um, but we're going to try to, you know, have them stay for for six weeks, and hopefully they have a great experience. And you know, I think we're going to try to learn as much from them as is hopefully they can learn from us. Travel out of Fort McMurray. We've talked about this before. It can be arduous. Arduous. Now I think you're staying in the North Division for this year, but might the road trips get even longer? Like, would you go to Drayton and just play three games on a weekend instead of going around? Is that on the table? Well, one of the things I think that's going to change is we typically would play three games in a weekend down in the Edmonton area or the Calgary area. Um, I think that's likely going to change where we're probably only going to be playing two. Um, which, you know, is, is great for our players in terms of rest um, factor. But um, we also, you know, still have to travel to Grand Prairie, which is a nine-hour trip. So, um, you know, it's, it's nothing that we're not used to. Um, but it is going to be a little different just playing two-game sets rather than three-game sets. We always felt okay. the three-game sets gave us an advantage in terms of getting mentally prepared for playoffs. But um, that's not as big a consideration this year because, because, you know, frankly, we're putting ourselves in probably more risk playing three-game sets. So we're glad to just be going, hopefully, for twos. And, um, you know, we're going to do our part to try to make sure that everyone stays safe and, and has an enjoyable experience with it. Gord, tell me about the uh, the place of the oil barons in that community. It's It's been a long time since I was up there, but it's, it's, it's a great rink. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's a very high caliber rink for the Alberta Junior Hockey League if you compare it to some of the other barns and uh, I, I I don't know if they still do it but they used to do games at eight or eight thirty so a lot of people getting off shift could make it and, and you get pretty raucous crowds I mean to me it, when I went to a couple games out there it felt you know maybe like almost like an NCAA basketball game type atmosphere you know like how Duke would support its basketball team. Yeah, we've been extremely fortunate. The support throughout the community has always been outstanding. And um, it's definitely, uh, you know what, there's a great hometown advantage for having 
the fans pack the rink and and uh, they're very uh, loyal to their team they're very knowledgeable about hockey and this this uh, community's gone through so many um, you know blows in the last few years you know with with the fire and, and the flood and um, the resiliency of the community is amazing and uh, you know we play a small part in that uh, but we're we're extremely proud and happy to represent our community and and uh, you know we want to make sure that we entertain our fans and that they can take pride in the organization and that's something you know that we take very seriously. Yeah. Gord Thibodeau, head coach, GM of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, joining us then on Inside Sports. Their regular season, the AJ regular season, will start next Friday, which is going to be uh, awesome that they're up and running again. Gord, I, I want to I really go down memory lane with you here because I, I've referenced this a couple times, but you and I have never talked about it on air. I started in Lloyd in March of 2000. You were coaching the Blazers. You guys swept Fort Saskatchewan in the second round after having a bye in the first round. You played Fort McMurray in the North Final. Fort Mac won the first two games at home. The Blazers took game three at the Civic Center. Game four went to quadruple overtime, and Fort Mac won, which obviously propelled them to a series win. What do you remember about that night? I mean, at the time, it was the longest game in AJHL history. It later got surpassed. We often ask players what it was like to play in a game of that length. What was it like to coach in a game of that length? <laughs> you know what? It it still brings back a lot of strong memories. Um, it was really, it was such a great series, and that was the year that Fort McMurray ended up winning the Royal Bank Cup. And um, you know, I, I do remember we had a real good team in Lloydminster, and I think if it hadn't been an RBC year for Fort McMurray. We definitely, I think, would have been favorites for the league title, but we ran into a very good team. But that specific game, you know, one of the things I really remember was um, Fort McMurray. You know, Fran Gow was a bit more of a, of a veteran coach at that time than maybe I was. Kind of hoodwinked us a little bit. They went up in the second overtime and bought every chocolate bar in the rink. Um, to send down for their kids, and I remember sending up our our GM to you know to go raid the the concessions to see if there was anything up there for us. And he came back with the news after the second OT that there were no chocolate bars left because Fort Mac bought them all. So I remember thinking, okay, well I got scooped on that one. That's something to, to file away for next time if we ever get in a game like that. But I just remember the intense fatigue of not just the players but the staff, the refs, everybody, and even the fans. I mean. I still remember my daughter was only about three years old at that time and fell asleep in the stands with my wife. And, you know, that was at uh, 1230 or 1 a.m. Um, so it was a long night, um, but extremely impressive uh, outing by both teams and still one of the games that goes down as, as, you know, one of the more memorable ones I've certainly been involved with. Gord, I, I look, I know in, in hockey, uh, players and coaches are modest and, uh, you know, they like to give credit to others. But I am going to ask you this question about that team because it is 20 and a half years ago in 2000. Somebody told me who had no affiliation to either team said that they thought the Lloydminster Blazers were the second best team in the country that, that year, but they were stuck not just in the same league, but in the same division as the best team in the country, which was the Oil Barons who won the RBC. Do you think you guys were that good that year that you might have even actually been the second best team in Canada, Junior A? I, I think we would have been close. I mean, you know, in the years kind of change your, your perspective on it, but 
you know, I'm fortunate to, to have a great friendship with Fran Gow, who coached that Fort McMurray team. And Fran has often pointed out to me that he felt that we were the toughest test they had that year. And um, I think that that's great. That's what good teams do. They sharpen the knife for the other teams. And, you know, and I think we made them a better team, and there's no question playing them, you know, uh, 10 times or 12 times, whatever we ended up playing them uh, that year, made us a better team. So that's what rivalries do. And uh, when you have two great teams playing, um, like I said, I, I think you, you go a long way in, in sharpening the, the winning team. And, um, you know, we have a lot of respect for what they accomplished, and they certainly have, have returned that respect with their comments about how tough we played them. So, um, you know, you never know uh, what the rest of the country was like, but I certainly felt that we were um, maybe one of the best teams I ever coached and certainly uh, an RBC caliber team. I, I I hope you don't mind I'm going back to it, but, but I remember a lot of this because what do you remember? You remember the things that happened first and last, and those were the first few weeks weeks of my career and working in Lloyd. And you guys had a really good offensive player named Travis Barnes, and wasn't yeah. there some NCAA rule that prevented him from playing in the postseason because of his birthday? Yes, actually, Travis, I think it finished fourth or fifth in the league in scoring, and uh, he might have been second in the league in goals. And uh, was a big part of our hockey team, uh, our big offensive piece. And um, the way the rules uh, were at that time, if uh, you turned 21 and you had a scholarship, you couldn't play after your 21st birthday. Um, and his birthday, unfortunately, happened to be uh, the game prior to us playing Fort McMurray in the North Final. So um, he had to sit out that uh, that series, and uh, that was a big part of it. But. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, had we had Travis, we would have won. Uh, we were facing a very deep hockey team. And, um, you know, the difference in the series wasn't line one, line two, or line three. It was their fourth line was, was as good as their first line, and that ended up swinging the series. I, I always remember that because I remember asking you about that, and I remember, I remember you looked at me and said, I'm sick of talking about Travis Barnes because I just think well, you didn't yeah, want that uh, to be the, come through as an excuse or anything. Uh, like you were, I'm, not, I'm not saying you were being mean to me or anything. You were just like, I can't, like, we're, we don't have him. We knew we wouldn't have him. We got to try to win without him. So I, I always remember that. Look, the AJ, uh, you know, Kale McCarr is outstanding. The Oilers drafted Dylan Holloway, who as a 17-year-old was the MVP of the league, which I think is quite significant, Gord. Um, sure. the, ta- the talent level just continues to grow. It's pretty amazing. It is. And, you know, we've got, uh, you know, as you know, um, you know, Pareko came out of Fort McMurray. We've got another kid, Tate Herding, another St. Albert uh, uh, player, defenseman who's six foot six and 235 pounds, who I think will be our next guy coming out. Um, he's getting a lot of NHL interest right now. And, um, you know, uh, I would expect come draft time um, after this season that uh, that he may be a name that, that's going to circulate. And, um, you know, so the AJ has done a great job of developing talent. There's a lot of quality hockey players, and the game just gets better and better. And, you know, as, as an old guy that's been around a long time, uh, some of the things the kids can do today, it's amazing to watch. It's certainly a pleasure to coach, and um, you know I'm not one of those old timers that longs for 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> the game is in a better spot. The players are significantly more talented, and um, and they take it very serious. And that's the one thing that's extremely impressive. These young athletes are extremely committed, and it shows. It shows because they're developing, and they are getting opportunities at the next level. And 
everyone's dream when they start playing uh, road hockey at four or five years old is they're going to play in the NHL. And certainly uh, it's great that these kids get to try to pursue that. Gord, I, I still love chatting with you after all these years. Uh, let, let's keep touching base during the season, and, and we'll be looking for great stories around the AJHL. And, and hey, if you got a if you got a player that you think would be a good fit for inside sports and and uh, like shooting the breeze, give me a poke or give Escott a poke because we'd love to feature them. Well, I appreciate it, Reed, and you take care of yourself, and you're doing a great job there. I listen as much as I can for the audio broadcasts, and uh, keep up the good work. Right on. Thank you, Gord. That is Gord Thibodeau checking in tonight. Head coach, GM, Fort McMurray Oil Barons. I'm I'm really happy. I'm really uh, happy to see Gord doing well, and I'm happy the AJHL will start its regular season on November 13th. That is going to be really cool. It is 7-21, still 7-3 for the Packers, six minutes into the second quarter. It's Inside Sports on Chet. I talked to Gord Thibodeau about that series in March of 2000. So that's 20 years and eight months ago, seven months ago, something like that. And I can remember a lot of the details of the series. And I remember that game that went to quadruple overtime. Now, overtime in the AJHL, I'm not even sure if they still do it this way. They play 10 minutes right at the end of the third period. So they don't flood the ice. And then they start flooding and playing 20s after that. So it was, it was partway through the fourth overtime. So it was probably around 60-some minutes of overtime. I don't remember the winning goal. <laughs> I remember the overtime and then a lot of things about the series and a lot of the storylines, but but I cannot remember the winning goal. I think it was scored by a Fort McMurray defenseman who was not a high-scoring player. So I, I think it might have been some sort of seeing-eye point shot, but I, I don't really have a vivid memory of it. it. Now, again, it was 20 years ago. Next time I'm in Lloyd Minster, I'll have to go into their tape archive at uh, New Cap Television and try to find it. I didn't know that. Gord had never told me that before. That Fran Gao and the Grand or the and the and the Oil Barons went to the concession in the Lloydminster Civic Center and bought up all the chocolate bars. So then, when the Blazers wanted some. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. 14-3, Green Bay leading San Francisco. Five and a half minutes left in the first half. Thursday night football, uh, Sunday. Some good games there. Six and one Seattle against six and two Buffalo. Baltimore plays Indy. Both those teams are five and two. Bears and Tennessee. Those are a couple of five-win teams. We'll have uh, Pittsburgh trying to stay undefeated. They should be able to do that. They're 7-0, taking on 2-6. and six. Dallas, the Sunday nighter. Breeze against Brady. They've been going back and forth with that touchdown record. New Orleans, 5-2. and two. Tampa Bay, 6-2. and two. How about this for the Monday nighter? 2-5 and five New England against the 0-8 Jets. Beauty. 780-496-0063 if you would like to call or text. I'm always happy to hear from you. I am pleased to welcome back to the show the founder of The Running Room, 
very successful business, doing a great job promoting running and walking and general health in Edmonton and across the country. John Stanton is on the line. Hey, John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. You're running around. <laughs> yeah, you're always doing a lot of running around, whether, yeah. <laughs> whether it's work. Now, will you ever... Uh, I want you to tell the story because will you in the middle of your work day sometimes go get in a quick run? And if so, how often do you do that? Well, I do that occasionally. But I don't live far. If I'm in Edmonton particularly, I'll, uh, you know, when I'm not traveling, uh, our office is not far from my home. I'm about 10 minutes away. So sometimes I, when I go for lunch, I uh, sneak a little run in as well. And then when I'm on the road, I'll, uh, you know, we're traveling when we're under normal conditions. Uh, there hasn't been much of that since the first, first of March. But uh, when we're traveling, uh, I find it's a great way to get grounded. You don't get affected by time zones if you get out and go for a run. So I, I use that to just uh, get rid of any jet lag you might have when you're on the road. Well, and I, and I think, John, because... I've I've been running over a decade now. That's how you and I met, and and I'm very thankful now for the relationship we have. But I love how you 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 often talk about running as a mental break as well. And and I try to explain that to people. And I am by no means a high level runner. I, I try to run every second day. I do a pretty good job keeping it up. I do anywhere from thirty minutes to ninety minutes, depending on my day and the weather. But it's until you do it, it's difficult to explain to people what it does for your mind. And I and I even have right. trouble putting it into words. But I just if, if I run in the morning, especially, I just seem to have a better day or maybe I think I have a better day. But that's how I feel. Well, you know, there's lots of studies that prove that running has a tremendous calming effect on us. It uh, fires up our creative, intuitive thinking. So if you're worried about a problem, sometimes you go for a run, and that problem that's been dumped on your desk at work, maybe, and uh, your boss says you got to find a solution for it, you get out and you go for a run, and it becomes clear, oh, here's a simple solution. Or the fact you're out for a run and you start enjoying nature and the neighborhood and the parks and what have you, uh, then you don't really care about it. You say, well, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> and and you can come back with a clear head to look at it. But uh, we know there, there's uh, physical benefits. Uh, you know, we, we sleep better. We uh, eat better. You know, there's a natural transition to healthier eating. Uh, I know if I'm not running and I skip a day or two, that's when I dump into the nachos or chocolate ice cream. <laughs> but if I'm behaving myself and, and running regularly, I think about what I'm eating because I think my food is fuel, not uh, something to reward myself with. And I, and I think that's what people discover is they, they start to, it, it's a holistic approach to it. As a runner, you start thinking about your food, you start thinking about your stress levels, you start thinking about how much sleep you're getting, uh, you're staying well hydrated, so you're not getting dehydrated, which, you know, so many Canadians are dehydrated. You know, our number one concern in Canada is childhood obesity rates and the way they're growing. And if we can get adults setting good examples, that's the way we're going to solve the, the obesity uh, concerns with children. So, I mean, there's there's many benefits to running. And, you know, with COVID, um, you know, the, right now, uh, it's an exercise you can do that calms you down, that's good for stress release, it's good for you physically. It's probably one of the safer things that, that you can do is to go for a run, and particularly by yourself. And, you know, you, you see throughout Edmonton area now scads of people out there uh, running and walking. And I, I think we 
we've all discovered that in the last uh, few months since COVID hit, the benefits of, of being fit and active and people who were going to gyms and spin classes and yoga classes and uh, what have you now are saying, well, I want to maintain my fitness and running or walking are great opportunities for people to enjoy all the benefits that we get from it, the stress release that we get from it, the uh, spiritual release you get from it. And, and uh, it, it just allows you to approach things with a more calmness that uh, you do. And, and people who were playing team sports, as an example, there's a lot of basketball, volleyball uh, players around, hockey players, and they've been sidelined right now. But, you know, all these people want to stay fit. And running is a great way to keep their fitness level up. So when we get back to some sense of normality, uh, they can start enjoying the sport again, too. And it, whether it be hockey or racquetball or whatever their their uh, sport is, they can get back and, and join it because their fitness level will be maintained. That's that's a great way to put it. And I, I know for, for my experience, like my maximum distance, as you know, John, is, is a half marathon. I did a couple marathons yep. and, and my, you know, my body just didn't, it didn't react well because of some pain issues. So I don't know if that's actually a safe distance for me, but I could certainly do a half. And yeah. a lot of people will say to me, oh my God, I could never run a half marathon. And I always say to them, well, actually you could, <laughs> though I wouldn't recommend it in the next month or two if you're just starting running. But you can get there. That's the amazing thing. You, you can improve and, and handle so many more kilometers once you get out there and start doing it. Well, and that, that's the, one of the blessings of COVID is, the, you know, there's been so many tragic things because of COVID. But one of the good things is people are getting reconnected with fitness. And they're discovering that because they can't go to the gyms, they can't go to uh, movie theaters and a lot of uh, activities that they're doing, whether it be restaurants or, or what have you, running and walking has become very popular because it's something you can do that it's safe and uh and you're going to reap a lot of benefits from it so uh you know somebody who wants to run a, a marathon or, or what have you i've talked to all kinds of folks in the last uh, few months who got away from running they, they ran a marathon and or two and then decided well i'm going to try something else and they got into you know spin classes and they were staying fit and active but then when uh, COVID hit, they thought, gee, well, I, I got to go back to something basic that I can do. <laughs> the basics right. of running is, you know, one foot in front of the other. And, and then you can work on your fitness level and increase it by about 10% per week in, in either intensity or duration. And that way you can get stronger and fitter quickly. And uh, you won't get injured if you if you monitor it on, on a you know being staying kind to yourself as you're going through the training program. John Stanton joining us tonight on Inside Sports, president and founder of the Running Room. Okay, uh, EdmontonMarathon.ca posted a statement yesterday, basically stating uh, that there's going to be a decision in mid-January for the August Service Edmonton Marathon, which is of course a marathon distance half. 10k and 5k and also some walking too how what's the thinking here john how come you're you're planning on making a decision so far ahead for the august event well we want to make it ahead of the august event so that we can tell people is it going to go and are we going to be able to you know if they if a vaccine becomes available and, and say by january there's a vaccine available we're, that's an unknown at this point uh, but if it is available, that's going to change the dynamics of a whole lot of things and our planning and what have you. So we're going to wait till then. 
we we back it out till till January, the middle of January, because that would allow people to say, okay, uh, it's on for sure or, or tentatively, and we can start planning and training for it. Or they can say, well, you know, I'll back off my training and maybe train for something later in the year. Uh, we want to be, you know, as as clear and concise with the the runners, and it's the runner safety that we're concerned about. We're working closely with Alberta Health and uh, the city of Edmonton, and there's a, a lot of uh, moving parts on a, on organizing a marathon. You've got all the city police that are affected by this. You've got the first responders that are all re- affected by this. The ambulance services and first aid and. And it's a matter of coordinating all that. And right now, if it was positioned today, uh, it, you know, it's not practical because there's too many negative things right now. But, you know, hopefully by mid-January, we'll have made some progress in uh, dealing with COVID and, and uh, have some indication as to whether we've got it under control and there is a vaccine, then that will change things dramatically. And if not, then we, we can make a decision at that point. But to be fair, we wanted to give people time to train uh, so that they, they don't start training and then we cancel it halfway through uh, the oh. series. So we'll we'll tell them that some of the races have gone to virtual and, and uh, that might be a consideration, but we'll we'll make that decision in, in uh, January. Virtual races, oh. uh, you know, Boston did one. Uh, right. People ran their own and submitted their times. And, you know, you can use, uh, you know, various... Uh, uh, technologies to keep track of your uh, distance and speed and what have you. So that, that's an op- opportunity too. Uh, we've done some, we're doing the uh, resolution run on January the 1st and it's going to be done virtual. And the uh, brick resolution run will be, uh, everybody will run on uh, New Year's Day and then submit their 5K or 10K time. And they're still going to get the jacket and teddy bear and what have you. <laughs> prize right. medal that they normally get and we've done that with a number of runs uh the, the uh, women's run that we did uh in september uh was uh, a highly successful right across the country and people did a virtual run where you know they enter their time it was a fundraiser for uh mental health and uh it's it proved to be very successful so uh, it's giving people an opportunity. Our, our message really is, is in the running room, and, you know, we like to think of ourselves as ambassadors for our sport, and we wanted to make sure that there is a clear message that right now, based on the recommendation by the various health authorities, that, you know, you solo run, which means you run by yourself or with the co-inhabitants that you live with. Uh, you know, if a you know, husband and wife or brother and sister want to go for a run, they can, can do that together. But we highly recommend solo running or, you know, a, a group of two or three that live in the same household. That's how you do your running. And you keep your social part of it, the part that we all enjoyed when we do our Wednesday or Sunday runs with our groups or you meet at a road race. Uh, that's put on the back burner for right now. We recommend people do not uh, do their social connections there. Use the technology we have. We've got Facebook. We've got a run club on our Facebook where you can log in. Uh, we're encouraging people to use uh, Zoom or some of the other technologies where you can go on and FaceTime with people and you could have a group of four or five people and say, what are you going to run tonight? And we're gonna, oh, I'm going to do 8K. So I phone you uh, and 
ask you where your 8K was, and you say, well, I did it in the River Valley, and I did mine out, out in uh, southwest Edmonton, and then we can compare our times and, you know, how the run went. So you can still stay connected on the social aspect of it, but uh, following the guidelines uh, of COVID, because the only way we're going to get around this COVID is A, with a vaccine, and B, if we all follow the, the rules and recommendations by, you know, Alberta Health and the other health agencies. John, I want to get one more. John Stanton from the running room joining joining us. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Winter running. Yeah. Technically, I do it, but I do it inside. <laughs> I, mean, I, have a, I have a treadmill now. I used to go to the go to the rec center. But this is the one thing I don't get. Yeah, like you'll see sometimes in really cold temperatures or in icy conditions, you see that that man or that woman out there in in their leggings and a, and a heavier shirt and a toque but they are running outside. What have they figured out that I and a lot of other runners haven't figured out? Because to me, I'm thinking too cold and the (laughs) footing is too unreliable. Well, two things. Number one, I know you're the proud owner of a new uh, treadmill. Uh, And one of the things I meant to mention to you when we were talking about your treadmill running is that I hope you set your treadmill at least at 1% or 2% grade, which will help simulate the outside running conditions. Because if not, you're going to find running on a treadmill much easier because the the action of your foot hitting the treadmill, and it actually pulls your foot back a little bit. So to compensate for that and equate it to running outside, be sure to set that at 1 or 2 degrees, and that will kind of offset your, when you go back in the springtime outside, it'll be sort of similar to outside running. You won't go and say, well, I can run a seven-minute mile inside, but when I go outside, I'm up to eight minutes per mile. What's going on? And uh, if you get your treadmill set right, it'll do it. But for those of us that like to run outside and enjoy the outdoors, uh, you know, and and sometimes I don't feel like running. I always give myself a 10-minute test and say, okay, I'll get dressed, and I'll run for 10 minutes. If I feel lousy, I can turn around and come back. The beauty of that, I get 20 minutes of running in, even on the coldest day. Uh, and I can always, you know, just struggle it for the 10 minutes. But, you know, people discover that when they make those first footsteps through the freshly fallen snow, it's kind of a magical moment. You get, you're sort of overcoming nature and the challenge of the, the running in the winter time, and it could be the wind or the rain or the snow that you're uh, coming up with. But, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Edmonton runners train for the Vancouver Marathon, which is in May, and they... they invariably do very well because they they're running here in the winter time dressed up bundled up and they don't realize that if they wear a heart rate monitor they discover that when you're running through the deep snow it's like running through sand you're working much harder so you don't have to run as fast here to get the same benefits from it because you're running in the deep snow because you're using some energies to keep yourself warm as well as to exercise you're getting an extra calorie burn on it as well so anybody running for weight loss and what have you it's a bonus for you in the winter time and and i can tell you when you're out on a on a winter night or early morning in the winter time and you got the stars or the moon out there and uh you see the the sky uh, i mean it, it's it's a beautiful time to run and it's tranquil and it's it uh it again if you're got a lot of stress in your life uh, i highly recommend getting out and going for a run now you got to be safe you got to you know make sure that you uh uh, check the temperature and dress accordingly. And there's so much good product out there available for runners today that, you know, they've got Gore-Tex running shoes as an example with uh, a 
outer soles that are shockingly have one that uh, is non-slip on ice and you can put on ice joggers or ice cleats that you can wear in the winter time to prevent slipping on ice they've got wool socks now that keep your feet nice and warm and toasty when they're out there and each of the major shoe companies uh, have a Gore-Tex shoe that'll keep your foot warm and then being visible is very important. You want to make sure while you're out there that you can be seen and having a reflective uh, jacket of some sort on. And I highly recommend a headlamp. Not that you're going to use the headlamp that much to see where you're running. It's more that you'll be seen by drivers if you're in an area where there's vehicles. So, you know, in the wintertime, you, you often you're sharing the road with the car or truck that's coming at you. So make sure you're running facing them and that you can always take evasive action in case they hit the piece of ice and start sliding towards you so uh, it can be enjoyable uh, you know and again you can run with a buddy if you're new to running and a little concerned about uh, you know running in the neighborhood what I suggest to people is run uh, a quadrant around your house so that you're you know if you do decide well this is way too cold you can shortcut it back to your house in a hurry so you know you can run two blocks east two blocks north and two blocks west <laughs> just run a big square around your house and then uh, if you decide that it's too cold you can shortcut it back uh, but winter time is a great time to run and it's uh, you know January everybody's full of New Year's resolutions and we're going to make it a better year in 2021 we're going to get rid of all the grief from 2020 and uh, we, uh, that's what running will do running provides that positive I can do attitude for people that uh, really encourages them to take control of their own life and take control of their own fitness and uh, and, and that's the beauty of running in the wintertime John, well said. Always love having you on the show. Thanks for chatting, running. I love doing it. Thanks for the update on the Edmonton Marathon. We'll keep an eye on that for January. Hope you have a great night, man. Please keep in touch. Yeah, pretty appreciate talking to you, Reid. Keep up the good work. That is John Stanton checking in tonight, president and founder of The Running Room. We're going to take a quick timeout on Inside Sports. Time Packers in control, as we all expected, I think. 21-3, leading the San Francisco 49ers Thursday night football. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. I always enjoy talking about running with uh, with John Stanton. I actually just got a text here from somebody who said they usually uh, wouldn't care much about running, but they enjoyed hearing John Stanton. Knows his stuff. I mean, he founded the running room. What do you expect? Gord Thibodeau was on the show, AJHL. He's with the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. They start next week, and you heard from John Shannon and William Lagason from your Edmonton Oilers. We're going to hand it over to Charles Adler so we can go full bore on American election coverage again. Trump leading in Georgia by about 1,900 votes. Biden ahead in Nevada by a little over 11,000. Trump ahead in Pennsylvania by about 42,000 and Biden ahead in Arizona by about 46,000. The electoral votes still 253 for Biden, 213 for Trump. Who knows when we'll get a resolution? It's taken a while. That's okay. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy's your studio operator. My name's Reed. Have a good night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.